Lord, I worship you, not just for what you've done, but who you are. Sovereign God, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present God. God in control. God's grace and God's justice. And so, Lord, we come just as we are to be healed, restored, delivered, and made whole. Thank you, Jesus. Let us prepare now for the word of God. Every day we wake up to another tragedy in this country. And around the world. Come with me now to the first letter of Peter to us into the church back then. Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And listen now for the word as you stand, as you're able. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that though perishable is tested by fire that there may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed and although you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and joyous joy. For you, you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated in the presence of God. And now I want you to pray with and for me. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As I come once again before your people to preach the word the very thing that the Bible says will last forever the word of God What a humbling position to be in, and so, 
Lord, I ask that you would allow the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, for, for you are my strength. And you, you are my redeemer. In the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, I pray it. Let the church say amen. Good morning, everyone. Put a smile on your face. Even if I can't see you, I can, I can feel it through the wires. Put a smile on your face. Even among the horrible things we hear every day in this country and around the world, it's a living reality that there is no respect for the word of God in this country. The word of God that says, thou shall not kill. People don't believe and may have never heard that. But in the midst of it all, we come today to preach a word that says, keep hope in God alive. Say that. Keep hope in God, hope in God. Alive. alive. Our lesson today is about living daily in the knowledge of what the cross, what the cross did for us as children of God. Now remember, just because you were born does not mean you're a child of God. It means you're his creation, but you have to decide and, and, make, and make the move that has to be moved to be a child. God. Somebody say amen. And so the apostle Peter wrote this letter to inform us about what lies ahead. Oh, these are troubling times we're living in today. People are in trouble and none of us are exempt today from catastrophe and, and pain. Oh my God. Illness and death. Be safe as we pray for one of our families with COVID today. So Pastor Peter writes to, to encourage believers with a profound truth that will keep us in perfect peace, perfect peace until Jesus comes to take us home. Remember now, this world is not our permanent home, child of God. We are just passing through. And so our lesson begins by informing us that, that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we were given new birth in a living hope. New birth in a living hope. New birth refers to being born again. Not of the flesh, but of the spirit. New birth begins when we recognize that as a Christian, we must be born again. That simply means that, that you have opened your heart to, to release the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, it means that you no longer live with a physical point of view about things, but that you have become a spiritual being. And that's hard, beloved, when you don't know the word of God. It's hard to be a spiritual being. When you, when you receive the Holy Spirit into your life, you will begin to see life through 
spiritual eyes. And then we'll know. We'll know that Jesus' death and resurrection saved us from our sins. We know that when we confess our sin and are sorry for our mistakes and we intend to lead a new life, then we are saved. Then we are sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. And so therefore, we no longer go to the television to fully understand what's going on in the world. Somebody needs to say amen. We, we go to the word of God. We, we no longer go to our friends and neighbors to ask what they think the problem with the world is. We go to the word of God and the word informs us of what the world needs to be saved. Being born again means that, that you are now living your life to please God, not yourself and not other people. Somebody say amen. God says, I will give you the desires of your heart. He doesn't mean whatever's already there. He means he will tell you your purpose in life. He'll tell you why you are here. Being born again means that you are now living your life in a different way. However, somebody say however. However, if you don't take the time to listen to the word of God preached, you can't know the word of God. Because when you, when you don't know the word of God, the Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? Everything you do and everything you say and everywhere you go, when you are in honor and knowledge of the word of God, everything, God's in it. Every breath you breathe, every step you take, everything that happens to you, God is in it. Oh, you're convinced that you have confessed your sins and are heartily sorrow for your misdoings and committed to being different that you are saved. That by walking down the aisle of a church, joining the church, that means you're just saved. And because you've been saved, you now live with a living hope. In God. The Bible says, our lesson says, you have been given a new birth in a living hope. Well, my beloved, what day, the world we live in today, is filled with a sense of Hopelessness. Hopelessness. And of course, that makes us all want to know then, then preacher, what is hope? Hopelessness. I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you. Hopelessness is a deep feeling. That life is not worth living. Not mine or anybody else's. Hopelessness. When there are young people in our communities who don't care if they live or if they die. I've worked with those folks. That's, uh, that's hopelessness. Disappointment can lead to hopelessness. Oh, when you put all your eggs in the earthly basket and the basket spills and the eggs all break. That's hopelessness. Hopelessness is when you end up on the streets and you feel you can't do nothing about it. Don't, don't talk about human beings who 
end up on the streets. Nobody says, when I grow up, I want to be a homeless person on the streets with bugs eating me up. Nobody says that. Life happens. And for those who fall and holler, I can't get up, the only reason we up is to lend a helping hand. Look at somebody and say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, that could have been me. Hopelessness. It's feeling like nobody loves and, and cares about you. Sometimes I wonder where the families are of all the people who are homeless. Hopelessness leads to giving up, throwing in the towel, just turning your back and walking away, taking your life or somebody else's. Hopelessness is a terrible place for a human being to find themselves in. I wonder, in a country that calls itself civilized, Oh, I said so many years ago, I wrote a paper in college and the, the, I don't know, they just couldn't stand me for writing it. They said, write a paper on uncivilized countries. And I wrote a paper on America. America that calls itself the richest country in the world and yet there's poverty everywhere. It's uncivilized. America, who calls herself the greatest nation in the world, and yet there's more crime in this country than any other. That's uncivilized. Beloved, there have been times in my younger years when I felt a sense of hopelessness. Yeah, I did. When I thought that life was not worth it, yeah, I did. I can remember a day when my then husband and baby, we moved from Dallas to a place called Grand Prairie, Texas. I had no job. We had little or no money. And we lost everything material. My husband at the time would thumb his way to work. I was so depressed. Then one day I just stood on the balcony of our apartment and I, and I considered suicide. I had an eight-month-old baby who was sick all the time. Only to find out later, he, he had to take three shots a week just, just to breathe. My youngest sister moved in with us after our mother died. My mother's last request was that I would take my sister. She was 10 years old when mother And I had just found out that I was pregnant again. Child of God, child of God. My spirit at that time was so underdeveloped. <laughs> you know, God has to keep doing things to remind you that he's God. That time it was so just, just undeveloped. It was so premature at that time that I believed that life was just too hard for me to deal with it. I wept so hard that 
day, a day I just and I said, Lord, 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 if this is life, I don't want to live it. I can empathize with those who are hopeless. And I can also testify to those who are hopeless. I ever hear this because, in a sense, I was right. Did you hear this now? In a sense, I was right. Life was and is too hard for me to deal with it. Life is too hard for you, by yourself and alone, to deal with it too. None of us can deal with life by ourselves without God. And here is the real reality. Life can become too hard to deal with even when you are surrounded by other people. Because people can't save you from trouble. <laughs> and people can't say hard time. And people are not always there when you really need them. People are not really the ones who have the power we need to get by. People, no matter how close you think they are, are not the ones who know you at the deepest level of your being. Therefore, you need something greater. Greater than anything you can see with the physical eye. Being born again is the experience that awakens you to the understanding that you are never alone when you have God. I want you to say something. Say, Say, God is with me. God is with me. Say, God loves me. God Say, God will take care of me. Say, God is able. God is willing. God is on my side. Oh, Jesus, help your Lord. You got to know that you know that you know that you are never, ever alone. Amen. Listen, I've been through a lot, and the fact that I'm still here is evidence itself. See, you can go there when you believe in God. You come out with a testimony. Amen. That's why somebody, some people don't say nothing. They ain't got no testimony. They didn't realize that they were going through something to have a, a testimony. <laughs> and so I want you to know the fact that I'm still here is evidence that God is able to bring you out too. Because what he's done for others, he'll do for you. Oh, God's able to bring you out. When God came to rescue me back in Grand Prairie, Texas. He did it with a with a miracle. <laughs> oh, it's a whole another. It did it with a a miracle. I knew then that God was my more than enough. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's a truth that I have learned over and over and over again in life. When I go down, God brings me up. <laughs> Hallelujah. When I get sick, God makes me well. Oh, I've learned it. So now at this age, I just deal with it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I praise him anyhow because I know he's getting ready. <laughs> To work a miracle. Come on, oh, oh, Jesus. Ah, child of God. When our hope is a living hope, 
then we can sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. Oh, Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. We need a living hope. A living hope that is grounded and rooted in the promises of the living word of God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. And so our lesson says, our lesson says that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead gives us new spiritual birth, a living hope, and it gives us an inheritance. Oh, an inheritance that's and undefiled and unfaded, kept in heaven for you and for me. Now, 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 just hearing that ought to give you hope in itself. Say, Lord, whatever I'm going through, huh, I'm going to get through this because I'm excited about what you got waiting for me in glory. Oh, I'm excited about the inheritance you have put up just for me. Now, now, many of us don't talk about our inheritance that much. We used to hear only rich people talking about leaving children and inheritance. And as a pastor, I have seen a lot of things happen when... <laughs> when... When we die, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, every time it just happens when, when some of us die. Ah, oh, we don't have a written will. Ah, oh, but some people do have a, a written will, leaving their children an inheritance. But with poor people, a lot of times. A lot of times, I find them fussing and fighting when somebody dies, and then I wonder what they're fussing and fighting about. Then what I've learned is they're fussing and fighting over a little old bitty house, over, over broken lamps and three-legged tables and old pictures, <laughs> dying plants and raggedy clothes and cracked dishes, costume jewelry. Oh, cars that don't run. <laughs> Amen. When somebody dies in their family. Oh. <laughs> it is a truth, say amen. Amen. But on the other hand now, some, some people talk about an inheritance and, and, and they talk about wills and testimonies. Uh, to them... An inheritance is a large estate with a mansion on it, millions of dollars, a house on the East Coast and another house on an island, a house in the apps, jewelry that's worth a fortune, and not cars, but automobiles. Mm-hmm, Jaguars, Rolls Royces, Corniche, Ferrari, Testarossa, a Lamborghini. Oh, I know what I'm talking about because I done heard about it. Oh, help me somebody. <laughs> I ain't rode in none of them, but I know they're an automobile and not a car. <laughs> Ooh, when some people talk about an inheritance now, they, they, they talking about something that they live their lives to get. Amen. Hear me now. They live their lives to get all that stuff. And many people live their lives wishing that they were going to inherit something from some rich family member who in many cases does not exist. Amen. And that's, that's not the bad thing, beloved. That's not the bad thing. But there's something else. Something more. Something greater. Mm. My dearly beloved, when we understand the real deal, 
when Christians really become awake, <laughs> when we woke to real Christianity, ah, because we are a child of the true and living God, the Bible promises that we are going to receive an inheritance from our rich heavenly, oh, good God, our rich heavenly father. Hear this. The Rockefeller family has nothing on us, baby. Nothing, nothing. The Kennedys, the Fords, the Budweiser's, the Trumps. They have nothing on you and on me. Somebody say amen. Because everything they have acquired and planned to give away is an inheritance that is perishable. Amen. It's, it's human made. Bible says it's, it's defiled, it's stained, it's fading, and kept on this earth that is one day going to pass away. Is God not talking? Who controls the weather? Oh, it's a sad situation that he has to perform the kind of things he has to perform to let us know that material things are not where we put all of our faith and all of our glory. It takes one flood, one tornado, one earthquake. Oh, and if you don't have God. But you know, I was thinking, I was talking to God the other day, I said, God, all the things that are going on in the world, I know you've told me that you love us so much and we're so lost that you'll do anything it takes to get our attention back to you. And it's a sad thing that all these things are happening because God wants attention. And we don't even understand what's going on. I never want to make God want my attention so bad that he have to do some things to destroy what I love more than him to get my attention back. But I tell you one thing, I bet you people have never, who have never called his name, call his name after some tragedy happens. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's a sad thing that we have to have to be, but you know, I thought, well, God, if my children, if my children were going to be run over by a car, I'd do anything it takes, anything to get them out of the way. Amen. God say, don't you see me doing it? I love you so much that the devil is busy trying to eat you up and I'm doing everything I can to get your attention back to me. Oh, like the Bible says, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is holding for us an inheritance that is imperishable, which means that is incorruptible. It won't spoil, rot, or perish. It will never go away. It lasts forever. Our inheritance is undefiled, which means it can't be stained. It can't be tarnished. It can't be messed up. Our inheritance is unfading, which means it never grows old. It never depreciates. It will never wear out. And, and to top it off, to top it off, the Bible says that our inheritance is kept, not on earth, but in heaven for us. You better want to go to heaven because that's where your inheritance is. It's a place where nobody can get it Nobody can ruin it. Nobody can steal it. Nobody can claim it. It's being kept in heaven for you and for me, and it's being kept there where we are going to spend most of our time. The most time we'll spend is not on earth, but it's in eternity. Heaven is our destiny. Heaven is where we're going to put down our stakes. Heaven is where we're going to stay forever. But you don't get there by being disobedient. Amen. 
Heavenly Father has some things waiting for us, beloved. <clears throat> oh, Lord, I've been worried about my waiting then, Lord said, but you know, you know, you can put up with that a little while because remember now, <laughs> one day you're going to get a whole new body. Amen. Lord, don't worry about no house. I'm looking around, worrying about where I'm going to live. Don't worry about that. One day you're going to have a match. <laughs> Streets paved with gold. No more crying, no more dying, no more worry, no more trouble. I've heard, I've heard of a city called heaven. And you know what? I'm determined to make heaven my home. We live in a country today where some people have no idea they were sitting in here what I'm talking about. And then to top things off as we finish, the word continues with this in verse 5. The word says that we are being protected. Lord, I feel it every day. I feel God's protection, oh, Lord, at a level I've never felt it before. And I know it's because he knows I need it more than I've ever needed it before. When you get a certain age, you realize you don't have the strength to fight or to run like you used to. Anybody in here old like me? <laughs> you just need God. Sometimes you don't see the car. You need God's protection. Sometimes you forget where you left your car keys, and I know everybody does it sometimes, but listen to me. When you get a certain age, every day, every day, every day, everywhere, you need God on your side. Protection. You need God on your side. Now, what I'm saying is, I've really known that. Most of all of my life. Don't, don't wait to get 80 to realize <laughs> All of us need God. It's just that when you get a certain age that, that a culture doesn't even, doesn't even respect anymore, God knows. God, God knows. We are being protected by the power of God through faith. For salvation ready to be revealed in the last days. In other words, the Bible is saying to us, we are going to get our inheritance because God is protecting us through all of this so that we can reach our final destiny. Amen. God is assuring us that, that he's going to get us to heaven. Glory to God. I have a saying that says, we so messed up about how we think about so many things, but, but age, I tell young people, I said, now this is true. You don't know the way, but I do. I don't have the energy to get you there, but you do. With my wisdom and your energy and our working together, good. God Almighty, the great things that can happen in our lives. Young people today don't want to listen to old people. Old people today don't want to listen to young people. When together, it is together that we bring something that is so powerful for God. God is assuring us that he's going to get us to heaven. Glory to God. Now verse 6 says, in this you rejoice even if now for a little while you've had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that though perishable is tested by fire. God's always testing those who say they love him and see if it's the truth. May be found and resulted praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, be happy because the trouble we find ourselves in won't last all, always. <laughs> trouble is the fire that refines us so that we can come forth as 
pure gold so that we can go to heaven. Did you know that every time gold is boiled in a fire, the impurities rise to the top and then they're taken away? The hotter the fire, the more the gold becomes purified. Don't ever talk about a Christian who's going through something. <laughs> the hotter the fire, the more the gold becomes purified. The fires of life are purifying us. The troubles of life are purifying us. Don't worry when trouble comes. You'll always make it through trouble if you are a Christian. God controls the thermostat. So God doesn't not allow trouble to come into our lives to kill us. He didn't die on the cross to turn around and kill us. He died so that we might live. The fires of our life are just a purification process. Jesus came so that we could have life. And have it, what, more abundantly. So be truly glad, beloved. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a little while down here. Tell somebody, through it all. Through it all. What have I done? I've learned. That's why he give us these lessons over and over again. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon God's word, beloved. The worst is over. The best is yet to come. That's what hope says. Hope says it looks bad. I don't feel good. Everything's going Wrong, but this too shall pass. Because the best is yet to come. All that you find yourself confronted with today is only something that will lead you to your being able to praise the Lord. Trials result in praise and glory and honor. How many times have you seen someone who lost everything in a tornado, and then they say, but I thank God. Probably ain't never prayed. And I thank God that we're still alive. Let me confess to you this morning, if it had not, if, if I had not walked through the valley of the shadow of a death, I, I wouldn't know how to praise God. If I hadn't been through the storm and through the flood, I, I wouldn't know how to praise him. If it had not had to climb the rough side of the mountain, I would not know how to praise God. I praise him because he kept me. I praise him because, because he just keeps blessing me in spite of myself. I, I praise him because he's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. I give him glory because he's seen me through. Hallelujah. I give him glory because he's my comfort. Mm, and honor. I honor him because he's my joy. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. I honor him because he's my peace. He's my pardon. He's my protection. He's my healer. He's my savior. He's my more than enough. That's why I can say like the songwriter says. Praise. One of my best friends would look at people in church who were shouting and just say, that ain't necessary. That's so silly. If that's what the Holy Ghost make you do, I don't want that. Just want to be calm and quiet. You know, somebody walk in, they don't know if I'm alive or dead. Just let me, just let me sit with And I told my pastor, I said, Pastor, I worry about her. Just, she just 
He said, don't worry about it, idiot. She just ain't been through enough. <laughs> she just ain't been through enough. To say praise is what I do. When I want to be close to God. I don't want to be close. And then the Bible says, lift your hands. I ain't crippled. Hey. <laughs> the Bible says, lift your hands and praise. What's the problem? Lift my hands and praise. The red light say, stop, you stop. The green light say, green, you go. The Bible says, raise your hands and praise. Lord, I, I surrender to you. I honor you, worship you, I, I adore you. I vow to praise you. Through the good and the bad, I, I praise you. Whether I'm happy or sad, I'll praise you. In all, all that, I go that I go through, because, because praise, praise is what is what I do. Yeah, I've had a children ask me, Mama, is all that noise necessary? I just keep praising them in the house. Just keep praising. Sometimes I run through the house. They say all that, man. I don't understand. I say you don't. Oh, but you will, baby. So much has happened in my life that I have to praise him for. Maybe I've overprotected you. I don't know. Whatever my circumstance, it doesn't stand a chance. Till I go to a football game or a basketball game. Don't, don't wait for that to hear me praise. Oh, I praise you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Brother Happy. I praise you. And you know, you can be cute with your praise. I remember when I would. He'll take that. But the older you get, the more unashamed. You become. You don't care what people say. You don't care if they look at you funny. Cause they ain't got the last word anyway. Oh Lord. Hope. Hope. Hope is getting excited. Excited about what's going to happen. I'm so tired of the church only talking about what used to be. Yes, yeah, okay, you can remember what used to be. But what used to be, used to be. But it's now. Where is the hope of what is going to be? Where is the joy and the hope that this church will be? out and every church and people will be saved what it is we don't understand about go and make disciples for Jesus Christ hope 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 is that beautiful place that sweet spot between the way things were and the way things are yet to become. Hope, hope, hope for tomorrow. Hope for a world 
that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. Hope for a world that has a fear and a reverence for God Almighty. People say, it is what it is. I'm going, yeah, but you know what? A Christian don't stop there. It is what it is. But to a Christian, the question is, is what it is what it ought to be? Yes, yes. It's what it is what it ought to be. Do the churches, our denominations are dying across the country. Christianity, most people don't even want to deal with it in America anymore. That is what it is, but it's not what it ought. And we can believe that when we do our part as the church of Jesus Christ, God will do his. When praises go up, Do you want to be blessed? Mm. Praise God. Every chance you can. Open your mouth to a world that feels hopeless. Say something to a stranger that they don't even try to do that everywhere I go. I find something to say to somebody who looks like they just need a word. There were two young people when I went to the mall the other day and they sitting down, they looked a little sad. The girl and a boy and I walked over to her. First I passed, the Lord said, what? So I'm sorry. I walked back, I said, I said, daughter, you know what? You're beautiful. She went. I said, you're beautiful. God made you beautiful. Look what she said. Uh, yes, ma'am. And the young man, he said, ma'am, I like that. And you know what, ma'am? You beautiful, too. I said, my children... I pray that God will anoint you with his Holy Spirit. You'll find your way to a church because you're beautiful. And I walked away. People in such pain today, Christians, smile. Say something to somebody. I see hope in this particular church because you're going to become missionary soon. That's what we need all over America. We're going all over. We need missionaries in this country today. Missionaries going out. All around, inviting people to come home to God. It's our hope that we live for the future. And we get excited about what God is going to do as much as we get excited even more than what God has already done. your hope in God alive church it's not just about us the church is the only 
organization that is more about those who are not in it than it is about those who are in it. Maybe the killing will stop. Maybe crime will go down. But the church is resurrected from the dead. With a new living hope. In God. First Sunday, and we gather on First Sunday every Sunday. We gather to hear the Word of God preached. First Sunday in the especially in the African American church tradition, we always remember. We are to remember what God has done for us. For those who don't know God, he's, we call him Father because he is the epitome of the perfect Father. He will be your Father. But he wants you to remember that early on when we continue to sin without stopping. God said the price you have to pay for sinning is to shed blood. That blood gives new life. And so he came as his own self-son who knew no sin but on our behalf and his love for us. He gave us his son so that now our sins are forgiven and we can live with a living hope. Join us now in our service of communion. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And now let us pray together the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, all of us together, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. I always say, in Jesus' name, amen. Because in Jesus' name is the stamp on the letter that gets the prayer to heaven. Jesus invites us, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so we invite you now to spiritually unite with all the members of Pacoima First United Methodist Church and with all the saints of the church in heaven and on earth that partake of the Lord's Supper that has been consecrated by me.
According to the Gospel of Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. I invite you now to take This is the body of Jesus Christ, the bread of life broken for me and for you. Taking the cup. This is the blood of Jesus Christ, the cup of salvation, shed for you and for me. Drink it. Oh Lord, we thank you, God, that through your word and this holy communion, you have given us your son who is the true bread from heaven and food of eternal life. We lift up to you this day our joys, our concerns. We ask you to strengthen us in your service that our daily living may show our thanks through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray. Let everybody say, let the church say, amen.